myself dancing along to the theme music every yeah. time. <laughs> same here, same here. Good morning, good day and good evening, folks. Welcome to another episode of Problem Busters. And of course, I am your host, Ollie, and we're playing the music again. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and who was pre- pressing the play button? No other than the esteemed Jonathan. G'day, mate. Yes, yes. Good day. Good day. Thank you for uh, making me laugh tonight. (laughs) I know. My face, when the music went off again, I was like, I I, uh, should no longer be in control of our soundboard. So, so folks, you know, when you talk to a a help desk or you ask anybody for some help with something and uh, and then they admit that they've had a problem with this, that is exactly how Jonathan is feeling right now. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. (laughs) In fact, I am the problem with this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... Uh. What are we going to do? We're going to go through some happy good news, right? Um, Yes, we are. And uh, I'd just like to share one thing off the bat. My parents, bless them, love you, mum and dad, have just upgraded their Nissan Leaf um, to a 2020 model. They must have had this the previous electric car for, I don't know, seven or eight years. And I love that. I love the fact that they are a little bit older than me. And yet, even in that stage of their lives, they're like, Looks like we're moving towards electric cars. Let's get one. And the day that I sat in uh, their old one, I was like, this is the future. This is just better tech than burning fuel in a combustion engine. So well done, mum and dad. And I'm really glad to see the whole world starting to move towards hybrids and electrics. Yes. I think uh, a round of applause. Oh, I don't have it on the soundboard, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Oh, cool. Hopefully, I think um, the UK is moving that way as well. I think, um, is it diesel engines that are going to be outlawed soon? And, yeah, and in eight um, years, you won't be able to buy a new petrol or diesel. Yeah, yeah, you won't be able to buy a new internal combustion engine. Oh, how power. long have we been? How long have we been burning fuel in a box and calling it an engine? A long Oof, time, right? A l- <laughs> very long time. I mean, I time. find that embarrassing as a technology person that we didn't move forward. Yeah, I think so. Do you know what it is? It's, I think it's the trend. I'll probably get into it. Um, uh, oh, this is a nice segue to to one of our first stories. But, <laughs> um, oh, actually, that's not even actually one of our, our on the list this week. But um, I Are you think... giving people bonus stories? I know, I'm giving them bonus stories. I think it's a trend of... Um, renewable energy becoming more of a focal point rather than finite energy sources becoming more valuable as time goes on, you know, like coal. And the trend is this new world of new technology and open access for places like universities and different type of research labs to create these new forms of or sources of energy to compete with what was before is just amazing. So, you know, as uh, Jean-Luc Picard would always say in, in the old Star Trek, is uh, New Frontiers and all that jazz. It wasn't mm. that poetic, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't Love. as poetic. Ah, da, but, yeah. da, da, da. Exactly. You know, Patrick Stewart, I uh, tip my hat to you for that. And And speaking of Star Trek, you know that Captain Kirk went to space, right? What a legend. 
Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> William Shatner. <laughs> William Not Shatner. only a whole lot of albums, but now he went to space and apparently yes. he said it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, Star Trek has always been not only at the forefront of um, creativeness in terms of visions for tech in the future, like, you know, the flip phones and microwaves and all these other things, teleportation, all kind of ideas um, that were made mainstream by Star Trek. But they also had the first interracial kiss, I think it was, between a black person and a white person on TV. That was William Shatner and, oh, forget the lady's name. She played, um, is it Ohuru? That's um, amazing. Yeah, so that was that's a good one. And then I watched Star Trek Discovery even to this day, and they have a um a non-binary person as well, I think, on there. So that's cool. Crazy. Really good. I Star like Trek. That. <laughs> Thank you, Star Trek. Keep Thank pushing you. the boundaries. Exactly. Exactly. So um what do we have on our list of happy good news? Well, I think I think we should start with the one that you're most excited about, um, the mm. woolly story. Yes, the old woolly mammoth. So, a lot of our dreams, a lot of our hopes as a child to see a woolly mammoth may be realised as um, a firm who specialise in uh, genetic research have raised around $50 million to bring back the woolly mammoth from extinction. I love what the company's called as well. Colossal. Yes, yes, because, you know, you always have to part of the part of the whole package is the name of the company and what they're going to be doing. You're not going to call um, it Pipsqueak, are you? <laughs> yeah, no, they're not going <laughs> to. They're not going to call it minute, <laughs> <laughs> pea-sized, and, it, <laughs> and it's quite um, cool, isn't it? Because they, it's not, it's not just about let's make dinosaurs, which. I have to admit, I think is pretty cool in itself. Um, but it's also because we can see things are changing for elephants, for their habitat. And so there's this idea, isn't there, of creating a cold-resistant elephant. Um, yes. And it's it's kind of, I wouldn't want to say eco-friendly, but it's it's the thought process that goes into reintroducing a type of animal that we haven't seen before. I mean, you're not going to really reintroduce a T-Rex that if you put it back into the wild will probably become the apex predator <laughs> i mean put it and, on an island with a fence around it and people will come yes they will they <laughs> could will. be a book and a movie in that I yeah what, what have we learned from from that hey is <laughs> a certain park <laughs> um so i would I think, be on the pre-sale list you know yeah yeah I, w- I would be visiting uh i would have binoculars and i'll be on a boat <laughs> um in terms of reintroducing it and putting it back in in into the wild, having a cold resistant elephant, so I guess there's a number of benefits ecologically as well as, um, you know, scientifically, in terms of the research and everything. I think I think it's a positive. My take on this is I think it would be a positive uh, a positive outcome. Mm. Um, and and it does raise, of course, questions around um, genetic ownership and cloning and. Um, and needing to think these things through and discuss them as a society rather than just rush in. But yeah. the idea of reintroducing large animals to restore ecosystems is really smart, isn't it? And like, like yeah. Yellowstone did when they introduced the apex predator of the wolf, and they found that the rivers changed course because the wolves were um, 
cas- everything they did cascaded down through the ecosystem and um, rabbits and ducks and otters and, and badgers and all these sorts of things were moving around based on um, the trickle-down effect of the wolves yeah. being there. Um, yeah. Amazing stuff. Yeah, it is. And not only that, the offshoot in sort of technological research in terms of carrying to term, uh, I guess, a mammoth with significant changes in its DNA coming from an elephant, which, you know, is not the same thing, but quite similar. Mm. So a lot of research into in, in um, pregnancy and, and, and birth for different organisms is, 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 is it's, I think it's an, a positive because you may find things that will benefit you know, human pregnancy and birth and, and research as well. So absolutely. Plus, yeah. And, and as you said, it does trigger this, the whole discussion around, should we, should, the, the morals, the morals around it as well, because just cause you can, doesn't necessarily mean you should, right? Ask anybody that spent a long time building something that never got sold. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You know, I, I told you about my, uh... <laughs> cool. And what cool. else have we got? Um, so let's let's jump on. So um, this is quite cool. So um, Positive News had that the Premier League last month had the first um, carbon zero or net zero football match, um, which was between Tottenham Hotspurs and Chelsea. So um, Gary Lineker would have been pleased. And that's quite a big deal, right? To think that an entire game with all those lights, with all that energy that's used could be cut, um, net zero. Um, it just goes to show that if we can light up a football stadium, fill it with people and put it on TV, and we can do that carbon neutral, then surely we can do other things, right? Yeah. And the capacity of these stadiums, I don't think people realize how big they are. I mean, the only thing that's probably big is probably like cricket cricket grounds in India. Um, but in terms of like American football and uh, maybe smaller cricket grounds in the UK, the volume of people, some of these stadiums could seat, you know, comfortably, you know, 60 to 80,000 anyway. So just that volume, which means you can replicate this Olympic Games, um, Commonwealth Games, all these other huge events. Government and having, buildings. Yeah, government <laughs> buildings. <laughs> you know, yeah. Protests, you know, everything, you Rock know, concerts. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it's um what i like about this is that it's scalable and you can replicate yeah. it as well so yeah agreed all right yeah. what else we got um what else do we have look at me looking down the list of things that we have i have lost my order however food markets in vancouver so a charity is that called... vancouver canada jonathan yes vancouver canada I'd like to say it's my second home, but I've never been there. But everywhere in Canada, I want to be my second home. <laughs> it's a lovely oh, place. It's a beautiful country. It is. It is. Um, the Food Stash Foundation, they have a rescued food market. Um, and what they do there is they get food that would otherwise be destroyed. Um, or Because uh, in fact, it's surplus. So I was listening to... Um, one of my favorite guys to listen to, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, he seems to know everything about everything. Um, and he said that in the West, we've essentially pretty much perfected the production of food. Um, not perfected is a loose term, but the volume of food that we have. So 
is so much that we actually have a problem. We hire people to help us not consume more calories. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and that creates a problem where we have a lot of surplus food now, mm. where if a bag of um, multi, like, um, uh, like a bag of crisps, with a number of packets in it. If that, if it's, I it's love usually, that you started with a crap with a packet of crisps. That's yeah, so British. Yeah, uh, proper <laughs> British, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> so when you open up, uh, if one of those packages is damaged and you've got a pack of 12 crisps, um, historically, supermarkets would just throw that away and call it damaged goods and then put it in a special bin to put in a special tip. Um, and people who would really want it and say, you know, you shouldn't throw that away. That's wasted. Why can't I have it? And then we're like, no. So they put a padlock on that bin. Um, mm. This charities like none of that around here, Sonny Jim. What we're going to do is we're going to create a shop or we're going to push that food to people who need it. I love that. Yeah. And 58% of all food presented, uh, produced in Canada becomes waste, apparently. So that is a lot, more than wow. half. Yeah. So Neil deGrasse, you were not you were not joking around when you said uh, we've affected the production of food. Because could you fifty eight percent? If anything else, in anything else, if there was fifty eight percent wastage, we'd be. Outraged. I don't think that. Yeah, there'll be outrage. I don't think that's 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 not very successful. You know. Yeah. If I if I said, oh, here's a glass, and but fifty eight percent of the water leaks out of it. You <laughs> You're going to look at me like, hmm, I don't know how this class is going to help me. Um, so, yeah, um, I really love what the Food Sash Foundation is doing. Um, and not only that, they've had so much that when they've stopped one of their stores, they've actually had um, to, their warehouse is, is getting full. So they're kind of pushing it out to different places that actually require food. Um, so that's that's fantastic. So, and again, scalable. We can move that over here in the UK. You can move it into Europe, um, the States. It's just really, you can replicate it wherever. Yeah, I love that. Love that. Right. And uh, and also, the uh, here's another nice, nice one. So Positive News has that um, one of London's busiest streets, which is the Strand, has, uh, has gone car-free. So they've basically Ooh. cut out the red buses and the black cabs. And, uh, and they, this area was, it was really quite choked up. Um, and, uh, and they've cleaned it out. And I just never would have thought that that kind of part of London, one of the busiest mega cities on earth, that, that they could convert that to being car free. Like I just, as someone who grew up in a country that's very green in New Zealand, but also very car based, I just couldn't imagine like, how would people get around? But isn't that cool? That's a yeah. sign of, of cities starting to realize that they don't have to be full of cars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're seeing that a lot. I know I just keep talking about the UK and in London, but we have that ultra low emission zone expanded last week. I Why would like to explain say. what that is for folks that aren't in England, because this is quite a, um, a novel and important idea, especially for people that have asthma. Yeah, so it was a, it was a, it was an experiment that started um, ten years ago, roughly. I want to say, well, around ten years ago, maybe a bit more. Yeah, yeah about that. Um, and it's a zone where if your engine produces a certain type of emission or a, a, um, an amount of emission um, pollution, 
then you would pay a tax on that to enter a certain part of the city, which is typically the centre. So a study was done across London to measure the air pollutants around uh, like the particulates and, and whatnot and the type of pollution. And it was found that in the centre of London, it was pretty bad. Um, mm. And we have seen links of poor air quality to things such as asthma and a number of respiratory diseases. So the mayor, I want to say the mayor, I guess it's a form of government, <laughs> introduced the ultra low emission zone, which means if your engine is over a certain size or produces a certain type of pollutant, you it's are quite not... expensive, right? Yes, it is quite expensive. Right now, I think it's around £12.50 to actually drive in that zone. So it's just it's similar to the congestion charge where you would pay a fee to actually go into the center of London. But that's that is indiscriminate of engine size unless you're like a moped or like an electric car. Um, and you would pay that fee to be in that area because your mm. car is creating emissions and, and adding to this whole pollution bit. The ultra low emission zone is OK, you can still drive around in there, but if your car is low emission, you can actually be like, oh, yeah, you're free to, to pass. But if it's over a certain amount, then you will pay. And then um, the first thing that happened was the taxis, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they just all went to like to hybrids. Yeah, they all went to hybrids uh, for the ultra low emission zone. The congestion charge, if you have a taxi permit, you don't really pay congestion charge at all. But you do pay a yearly fee to drive around in that in that zone and, and in the... Uh, in the in the um yeah in that zone actually yeah for in that zone but the ultra low emission zone is just fantastic because um it's pushing that whole view that we're going to be car free at some point and you might as well have either electric scooters or bicycles to travel around i mean and, the and that means that the city time, is just so much better right yeah and this the difference in journey time is not that if i'm going to work and i take a bike It'll probably take me the same amount of time than walking to the station and taking train then getting out the station and taking bus <laughs> and then walking to the office, right? I'd just be a bit sweaty and a bit fit if I take the bike. Um, but, you know, every day, it's not stopping you every day to, if you have a family, to go in your car and drive your mm. family around. It's just these small journeys that you don't need a car for or you shouldn't really need a car for. And it's just cleaned up so many of the little trucks that used to drive around with delivering of things. And, yes. uh, and, and I think, and, and it's just nicer to walk around. It's quieter because electric cars and hybrids are quieter and noise pollution is one of the worst kinds of pollution in cities, right? Um, yeah. and, and I actually noticed that in New York and that was a couple of years ago now, maybe three years ago. Um, and all the taxis were basically electrics and hybrids. And I was like, where's this big, big, loud New York that I was expecting to see? And of course, that still happens, but it's not as noisy and as congested as it was. So yeah. I'd love to see more of that. Good on you, London. Yes, yes, yes. Shall we move to India? Yes, we shall move to India and how they are tackling air pollution through tiling. Dum, that dum, is dum. not what you would expect at the end of that sentence, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So this uh, plays into a similar situation we had that we spoke about in our last uh, Happy Good News in Iceland, where they're pulling um, carbon out of the atmosphere. Um, so this is a, I don't want to say offshoot, but um, 
It's a there form was a of div- air purification, right? Yeah, there's a form of air purification. Um, and uh, I think his name is Angad Dariani. Apologies, um, Angad. We wish yes, we could say yes, your name correctly. Yes. One day we will learn. <laughs> Sincerest apologies. Um, had a filtering device, right? And it would filter um, the air. To, to improve the air quality in, in cities like um, like Delhi. And when I think um, of carbon in the air, I basically think of soot, right? Yes, same here. Same here, yeah. <laughs> the older... What, what always pops to mind is in um, Mary Poppins, where uh, the chimney sweeps, I think it was Dick Van Dyke and the chimney sweeps, were just all... <laughs> just we just learned so much about your childhood. <laughs> yes, yeah. No, Jim chimney, Jim chimney. I love it. Uh, so... By filtering so the Mr. Dariani's company is uh, Pran, isn't it? Yeah, Pran, Pran. And um, they've raised $1.5 million in startup in, in uh, investment. Um, and they're trying to push the most advanced and cheapest artificial uh, intelligence air purifier, right? So it's just really pulling that carbon out of the air. An offshoot, or not really an offshoot, so what they were finding is when they were, when they were pulling that, the particulates out of the air, the filters were full up of what you would think of waste, but what you think is waste, an engineer would say is a raw material. Uh-huh. Indeed. Exactly. And when you get a raw material, you can provide that to another engineer or a, um, in this case, would be, I think it's carbon, carbon craft, craft design. design. Yes, Indeed. carbon craft design. Uh, and they would turn that into tiles. <laughs> so... They would combine it with rock waste from quarrying. So that's another piece of waste that they get in as well. Um, and and they this would, is amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. And they, they, would, they would combine it and form it into, into fashionable tiles. And they look really good. <laughs> yeah. And, but <laughs> but it doesn't stop there. There's more, right? A free set of steak knives that, uh, that those, those tiles that have already mm. been created from, um, from carbon captured out of the atmosphere or pollution um, – are themselves cleaning as much as five kilos of CO2 per tile. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's amazing. It is, it is. Clever people. So we'd love to see more of that. Well done, Pran. And uh, I hope your tiles are available in the UK. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Um, So something completely different. So Positive News has the, there's a a Words Matter campaign um, of empowering phrases that have been, uh, created in a a campaign to correct and improve the language of of maternity care, and Ooh. you know all about this, Mr. Jonathan, because you've got a yes. couple of little ones. Um, yes, we I just do. we just seem to use like nineteen twenties language when we talk about women and pregnancy and children, and it's just there's so much we could do in this area yeah. to to normalize and empower something that is quite central to the species continuation. Yes, because, uh, yeah, I think uh, the first time I heard, one of the terms I heard, I shouldn't be chuckling, but it was it's a chuckle like, uh, like really, th- really, was the geriatric pregnancy. The and geriatric what does that pregnancy. mean, Jonathan? Because that, that sounds like someone who's 75, right, when I hear it. Yeah, but it's not. It's if, you, if you're in your 30s, right, then they will class it as a geriatric pregnancy, which How in my mind... How is helping anybody? In my mind, I know. I was, I was like, I, honestly, I was like, 
NHS. It was, it, uh, I'm see, I'm speechless now. So it it was it was a surprise. I was like, oh wow. So you know, yeah, yeah. Progress and if you're can be made. Exactly. You apply it to anything in your in your thirties, and you add the word geriatric on it, then um, it becomes a bit a bit funny. <laughs> so go and so go and yeah. download the the parenting app Peanut. And mm-hmm. you'll find that they've got 63 updated and hurtful phrases, which they have rebooted and are renaming um, Revolution Glossary. Good on you, Peanut. And yes. thank you for doing away with geriatric pregnancy. It didn't help anybody. I think so. I think that's that's the best because Apple did this a while back and they got rid of things like master and slave in, um, in coding. That's cool. We, yeah, which is, which is really cool. But I think this is long overdue. With, yeah. uh, with pregnancy and um, you know i think i think in melbourne when i was living there so you know eight years ago the average age of getting married with it was 36 so what are we going to call those geriatric weddings yeah that's what i'll say <laughs> you add it on to everybody's like yeah geriatric weddings like oh okay you know your hairline's receding you've got a geriatric hairline it's like, <laughs> 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 oh, and man. moving right along what else yes. we got? this is what the one else? you've been waiting for oh is this the ply scrapers in sweden it is. Oh, price. So, oh, so I what, can't even pronounce so, his name. <laughs> so, what's the, have, a, have a crack. Uh, it, oh, uh, Skef, Skefta? 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 I think it is in Swedish. Um, so, this is a, a town or a city or, well, there's an airport. Um, in the north of Sweden, they have created not skyscrapers. Like, well, ply scrapers. You know that joke. <laughs> I think my dad joke is level one hundred right now. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, so it's essentially it's like a mini eco. I want to say eco town, but it's mm. it's um, structures built entirely of plywood using steel to sort of reinforce it structurally um they've treated the they've treated the wood as well which is really good um so it's fire retardant and um it smells really good (laughs) so in terms of being fire retardant they actually covered uh which is interesting to me uh internally they've given it like a buffer of flammable wood where uh, it will protect the actual structural the structural uh, integrity of the building if it does get set on fire and it gives the fire services about 120 minutes to uh to put the fire out wow um, and and as yeah. we've seen with uh, Grenfell Tower and and um buildings that are built largely from concrete steel and glass they can still go up right so they i can don't definitely I don't... it's it, it really does the, it depends on the the facades that you use or the facades depending on where you are in the world um on the outside of the building what's really good about this is that not only have they treated the outside of the building they've also um built it like there's a lot of glass as well mm. so it looks you, awesome it looks super awesome it, and, and very uh, swedish I, let's be honest someone had yes, to say for, yeah very 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 <laughs> very swedish and um, i love the, i love the fact like uh, they're quoted as saying why build in anything else when you're surrounded by 480,000 hectares of forest exactly exactly why and uh, it, and it all runs uh, on renewable energy as well 
They have biogas in their buses. They've got Europe, mm-hmm. Europe's largest battery factory. Mm-hmm. Um, which powers uh, that building, the sprinkler system at least. <laughs> yeah, and they're, looking at, and they're looking at batteries for long-distance aeroplanes that will become electric. I mean, our mm. world is really changing. Yeah. And I know and, the climate change is, is, is really scary, but there is a lot of great innovation. Yeah, and I think a lot of the innovation in construction is really based around, I guess, material science mm. as well as prefabricated things. Like prefab is just it's just lovely. And the idea um, of prefab, obviously, is that you fabricate it before you knock it up, right? So it's prefabricated. Yes. So, yeah. so what's cool about that is that people can choose to build things in a controlled, um, dry environment and then take them to site and put them up. Can't they? Yes, and it's really um, it's really quiet as well, and you don't use as much tools. To lack of a lack of a better word, you don't use um, as as much uh, diesel engines. You don't need to keep a mixer running. You don't need to do a number of these different you things. Create as the, much dust. Yeah, dust and noise and drilling. It's kind of you get there. Everybody knows their job. Everybody knows where they're putting it. Zip 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 zip. Um, also, when you do a lot of prefab. For things such as, I guess, concrete, you can actually pre-tension stuff. So you can it can support a lot more. Uh, you don't have to wait for it to, to sort of cure and, and, and dry. you don't have to pour it wet. You can actually do it all in a, in a factory somewhere and it's ready to support a load. Um, so that's, that's, that's awesome. The, yeah. And a huge benefit to this is what they're learning from it is when you do have a lot of prefab, such as this sort of plywood haven, <laughs> I would say, uh, you can replicate it in different different countries, regardless of where you are. Um, there's no real dependency. Even if you're shipping in the, the plywood, the, the way the logistics worked is that ultimately is still cleaner than, than building something from concrete. That's amazing, right? Yeah. And a big part uh, of that's temperature too isn't it yes of, uh, and, yes. and the purification of the uh of the uh the concrete materials mm-hmm. so good work sweden good to yes. see the building does look a lot like a big sauna but i kind of like that it's cool i i want it to look like a big sauna because uh <laughs> i'm tired of of tall gray buildings hundred <laughs> oh, percent wood is warm right i like yes, that it is and i even find nice. brick is quite warm and it does yeah and it smells so nice. Well, not bricks, but. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think they probably smell oh. all right. But right, moving right along. <laughs> um, so let's talk about magnetic birth control. Oh. So, yes. uh, so folks have come up with a way to inject magnetic particles that could be used perhaps one day for birth control. Tell us about that. We're here. We're here, Ollie. We are. We are now in the realm of nanotechnology we have <laughs> i know that's a, that's a bit a bit of a big intro but um yes i love so, it i was just thinking that it's taken us a year to get to that statement and i feel like I i've put the team down so what they've what they've uh they being the scientists um in the okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna I'm not gonna mess this up this was Faison and weha ding from the institute of reproductive medicine at the Nantong University in China. Uh, their research team have been studying 
um, artificial ways to sort of heat the testes uh, in a way, um, well, as a form of contraception. Yeah. So what they've deemed as... And the problem with contraception at the moment is Mm -hmm. that we put so much of it on women and it's not fair, right? Um, Yes. So I'm quite excited about the idea of guys having something else they could do to do their part, right? Yeah. And uh, it's also... Yeah, because I think it's a lot safer for for guys to do it as well, um, rather than than having you know the ladies do it. It's it's you know we, you're not really going under the well, you are going under the knife, I guess, depending how. But um, it's a lot easier to be reversed, from what I understand. From what I understand, yes, yes and it sounds uh, like that can be timed as well. Um, yeah, and and interestingly, as with a lot of technology, this may raise the debate of well, why wouldn't you have it? Mr. Man, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to have it. My partner can be on the pill. Well, is that fair? Maybe we yep. should talk about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. we could take turns. Or yep. which one Which one has the lowest risk, to your point? Um, messing around with someone's menstrual cycle, that's Isn't powerful that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I, I really respect people who just yeah it's 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 a big Likewise, deal and, yeah. and if we it can is. save people some drama then we should definitely definitely and i think the these nanoscopic particles as as the research team have, have called it they'll just be injected into the bloodstream and they'll be guided um to where they need to be via magnetic field uh, and that magnetic field will generate heat and create the contraception that's amazing so yeah, I think that's amazing because I partly I, I, want to inject it into myself just because it's cool tech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think um yeah, because I think being able to inject something into somebody and still monitor them and, and obviously not have really any adverse effects anywhere else in the body because uh, I mean you don't want your kidneys being well actually that would be quite cool because they are made of gold these nanoscopic particles so you'd actually have gold kidney stones. Um <laughs> <laughs> wow. But um yeah, but being able to monitor it and and obviously the 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 main use is actually to go to the testes. Um I do have to put the disclaimer there that there's no relation to the kidneys or any of this research to do with that. That was a joke. But, uh, but yeah. But but it does it does show a direction and a trend and, and an interesting area mm-hmm. of technology. Like maybe one day we could um we could work out the magnetic signature of a cancer tumor and we could employ a similar technology to target it or something yeah and and heat it up and and stuff like that yeah i think um i think we're here we've finally reached nanotech nanotech i've been watching you may not have a hoverboard boys and girls but you do have nanotechnology exactly exactly may not have a teleporter there's only one thing that can follow this and that is penguins Oh, so fossils yes. have been found in my home country of New Zealand um, by children's. And, uh, and it turns out that the <laughs> fossil they found was a 27 million year old giant penguin. 27 million year old giant penguin. It would have stood 1.4 meters tall, but underwater it could have stretched out to 1.6 meters. Ooh. God, I love penguins. They're awesome. And, uh, and I just, yeah. How cool is that? A 27 million year old penguin. Did I say that already? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't forget the giant, giant penguin. Giant penguin. Yeah, I love so penguins, cool. but I, I can't, I, to be honest, until this story came out, I didn't know that giant penguins existed. But to be fair, in the olden days, back <laughs> in the olden days, everything was bigger. 
you know what I mean? But yeah, no, giant penguins. That is, I wonder how they alerted everybody. <laughs> Imagine, I mean, you, you think about the penguin being giant. I guess the shark was also giant, right? Oh, and, yes, that's uh, true, actually. That's, uh, but, that's super oh, it, cool. It just raises a lot of things. I love, I love, because if you think back, the way penguins behave now, if that penguin, you know, jumping in and out of water, could you imagine a 1.4 meter penguin just leaping mm. out of the water? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, so Mike Safey, who's the president of the Hamilton Junior Naturalist Club, um, which is a city in between uh, Auckland and Wellington in the North Island of New Zealand. Um, keep those kids going out and looking for interesting things because what an amazing discovery. And it looks really cool as a fossil as well. Just mm. imagine being there and finding that. Yeah. Oh. And now I you know a bit they, more about yeah. my childhood as a geologist's son. <laughs> Fossils are cool. <laughs> so let's go on to Berlin. Yes, Berlin, Berlin, Berlin. Where, should I say, there has been uh, a car ban campaign. Um, the slogan I hear, it's about how we want to live. Oh, how we want to live, breathe, and play. <laughs> uh, which I feel like we made that harder than it needed to be. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was there like, let me do this a bit more theatrically. I was like, oh, well, you know, I miss out the breathe and play. Um, lovely. I think this is, a, this is a move. It's a positive move like we spoke about in London where the people themselves are actually complaining about the, the air quality and mm. the government is listening and they're all pushing towards doing something about it. But it's um, happening a bit slow for people, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, apparently they say they'd need about half of cars to go electric next year in Berlin in order to mm -hmm. meet the federal government's own targets for transportation yeah. emissions. And that's clearly not going to happen because they've only got 1.3% of vehicles uh, in Germany being electric. Um, yeah. So... They need to reduce the amount of driving. And to your point, London's found one way of doing it. And, and this is another, isn't it? Which is cool. Yes. Good for them. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Very good for them. Very good for them. I think um, when you have things like this that need to be driven top down, you, there's, there's a, there needs to be an incentive. If you miss your target, then everybody, all the politicians, maybe get a little bit of a pay cut. How about that? <laughs> see how mm -hmm. quickly, see how quickly the roads are are uh, are empty and the air's clean. Um, as, oh, well, as and, to, a, and to that point, that's that's super interesting, right? Because if you look at uh, a lot of our cities and a lot of our towns, especially in Europe and and also in North America, um, the older places that were around before cars, right? Mm -hmm. The 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 streets weren't necessarily so wide um the nope. traffic wasn't moving as fast right um mm -hmm. and it was just a lot quieter and there was a lot more space around people and um watching downtown abbey recently and just enjoying that sort of living theater um history kind of vibe um i was just like i'd love to walk through that little village in yorkshire that it's uh, set in because it was safe, it was quiet, it was easy. And there's a nice little visualization in this particular Guardian article that basically shows what a particular um, roundabout and major intersection could look like without cars. And there's just like heaps of trees, lots of space for people to walk, heaps of the road space has been turned into area that you could sit and eat. And that's a big part of both of our lives. <laughs> 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 it's just better right it feels yeah. like reclaiming the streets 
Yeah. And no cars does not necessarily mean no forms of transport. Touche. That's that's a that's a that's a key one as well because there are um there are there is a percentage of the population that are not that may need assistance with mobility. And that is provided um or can be provided in these sort of new layouts and uh, options, right? I mean electric electric minibuses and stuff like that and shuttle services and and whatnot. And that's another um, example of a, an idea that we could get from, what do we call it? What's the right way to say it now? The developing world, perhaps? Yes. Um, places where people have less money. Um, mm-hmm. And so they don't have these expensive buses and expensive trains. And instead, they've got little mini buses, as you say. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and places like South America, for example, say Colombia or Bolivia or Peru, you, you turn up to a, um, an intersection and there'll be a couple of Toyota vans or whatever, and uh, they'll hold 12 people each, and people will get into that van until it's full and then pay their 50 cents, and then off they go. And there's no timetable. They leave when they're full, and it works really well. So maybe we could take a leaf out of their book. No yeah. pun intended. <laughs> the Nissan leaf. Oh, full circle. Lovely. I think I'm doing quite well on the dad jokes too. Yeah. And there's only one place that we could ever end, right, on this yes. episode. And that's back in Bonnie Island. So tell oh, us about that. Yep. So there has been a positive shift towards creative um, artists. Well, creative people, um, artists and art workers uh, will be getting, um, will be part of a basic income scheme, um, which is due to be piloted in 2022. So this tackles the age-old problem of, um, I wouldn't say art versus kind of science or, but I paying think art, yeah, yeah, <laughs> paying the bills. Because <laughs> I think art is overlooked a lot by, um, I wouldn't say society because we're all consumers, right? But people who make decisions, um, art is sometimes overlooked when it comes to spending um, and cutting back on budgets if, if your government has a budget because like oh would you mean you're just going to be painting the side of a building you have to take that funding and put it into i don't know a gate for a youth center or something something ridiculous. Or perhaps a statue of somebody mm, exactly yeah, uh, yeah. exactly <laughs> um so this tackles that age-old problem of um creatives trying to you know fighting for for money or you know what i mean or, or for a living um so that they can really, make something that everybody gets to enjoy right Whether exactly and drives or or... yeah and drives culture right a huge part of culture like if you look back and you look at historical things that we all look at right and you think about how things were back in let's say you know greece or ancient rome and whatnot Really, the only things still about is art. <laughs> yeah. Mostly. Art and ideas know. and some, uh, yeah. some tech, right? Yeah. Like the creative thing is just a vessel. It's, it's a vessel of communication from the past to the present, right? Mm. It, in my opinion. I wouldn't say, you know. Um, and I think it needs, its, its, um, it needs to be respected. And this is a positive move. And I hope that every government in the world does this. Um, because creatives for a long time, they're not really worried about, you know, I don't want to speak for all creatives, but the the, can, the 
impression is that when you're quite creative and you and you love your work and you love creating new things, um, you're not but really going to focus anyway. on the monetary. Yeah, you're not going to focus on the monetary. If for me, I'm not very a, a really creative person, but I do draw a lot. So if I'm drawing. I sit down and I draw in my living room. I'm not drawing like, oh, when I finish this drawing of a of a house or <laughs> I know it's not that great. When I finish this drawing of, of a house or or a flower of whatnot, I'm gonna sell it for millions on the interwebs. Is it doesn't work that way? Um, and, and it kind of feels what, like the arts have been taken advantage of, right? Um, exactly. And, and I, I think it's. I agree. It's it's time to to look at how small an amount of money it could be um, for people to be able to do something that has benefit to, to us all. Um, and, and, you know, they'd probably still get a job, right? And yeah. accept that they can at least now spend a day or two days a week doing their theatre um, yeah. or doing their, their music. Or it's just, and, and if you've ever lived somewhere that has um, had a reduction in the number of um, live music venues over time, perhaps due to development of apartments or something like that. It feels like the city is dying compared mm -hmm. to the other side. You know, we come out of lockdown and people are going back into venues and you hear music playing and as you walk past. And that, that to me feels like the city's come to life. Yes. Yeah. So well done, Ireland, leading the mm -hmm. way. And, uh, and well done to the Arts Council. And we'd like to see more of that, wouldn't we? Yes, we would. Yes, we would. And that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe. And we've got heaps of really interesting episodes coming up. So many that we yes, can't actually we book them all in. So we have to stage them over time. <laughs> have a good awesome. evening, good morning, or a good day, wherever you are. And thanks for tuning in. Ciao.